You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes and even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will thrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, hello. Welcome back to the GFR show. I am feeling super grateful to be at the helm of this get fucking real mission. And just as a little reminder to myself, I have to pinch myself and say, this is about helping the mission driven folks that you are to know that whatever struggle that you are going through or whatever struggle you have been through is all on purpose and is going to serve you in your expression in the world through your business or otherwise. And that's what we are all about here. And so we have people on the show with just amazing, I'm laughing because it's like on one hand, they're amazing, harrowing, embarrassing sometimes, uh, life transforming experiences and stories that they're sharing on the show. And on the other hand, it's normal, everyday, super common part of our human experience. And so we are striving to normalize struggle in our world and that it is part of what makes us who we are and helps us serve in the world. Another thing that I'm taking a stand for more boldly is social justice issues and racial equality. And one of the things that I am doing to stand behind this desire is to have many more people of color on my show and making an intentional effort to do so. And This guest was somebody that I wanted to have on the show a while ago, probably well more than a year ago, and COVID uh, and all that it brought kicked her around a bit. (laughs) And when I decided, you know what, I'm having more people of color on my show, I'm going to, you know, I thought uh, I have to reach back out to Wendy. I hope the timing works for her. And it, it worked perfectly for her. So she is sort of like kicking off this initiative. I, as our next week's guest, Eva talks about inclusive consciousness. I am having an inclusive, inclusive consciousness in on the show and in my life and with my clients. And so I invite you to participate in this with me in any way that you feel guided to do so. I am also doing some deep dive study on Unconscious racial bias, which is really uncovering all kinds of bias in my world, including anti-fat bias that hits super close to home to me, and all kinds of introspection and self-exploration. So this is my 50th year, y'all know, on the planet, and I, uh, the universe is just really inviting me to dig even deeper. And so that's what I'm doing. So I want to introduce you to an amazing woman of color named Wendy Petties. And she is combining two fun things, sex and money. So here's a question I want you to think about. Is pleasure a priority for you in your life? Now, when I thought about this for myself, like my quick answer was like, yeah, of course. But I think I could do better. <laughs> I think that I can 
be more intentional about this in my everyday life. Where is the pleasure? Whether it's enjoying my morning warm beverage or enjoying my amazing backyard with the pool that I never swim in, but looks really pretty and makes a pretty waterfall sound, <laughs> you know, or just being with my kid or husband. I, after this conversation with Wendy, want to make pleasure a bigger priority in my life. Wendy has a great story. She went from a bankruptcy and really, you know, growing up with not a lot to millionaire status. And she has been featured in Essence Magazine, um, Sisters of AARP, and NBC XL. And she is the founder of Sexy Money Lifestyle, which really helps women build a healthy, intimate relationship with money using all that she learned as an MBA, a psychologist, and a sexpert, y'all. <laughs> so, so she says, so they can be, do, and have anything they damn well please. That is uh, an awesome intention for a business. And she will share with us about her days on uh, working on Wall Street. She will share with us about her days working with JetBlue, um, all kinds of experiences that she had there that eventually led her to this particular business. She is a hoot. We laugh a lot. We do talk about the impact of the color of her skin on her life and her journey. And I think it's really important to, to know that that is the backdrop of any person of color's life, that there's always additional nuances, challenges, experiences. And she shares so eloquently and authentically. And I really appreciate that about her. And without further ado, here is Wendy Petties. Wendy, welcome to the GFR show. Awesome. So happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. We did it. <laughs> we did. Oh, After how long, right? We've been trying to have this conversation forever. So I'm we glad have. to be. Yes. We have y'all and you are going to soon know why <laughs> it took us <laughs> a year or more to have this conversation, but I believe in divine, divine right fucking time. So we will, we know that everything that you've been through since that time is going to serve this conversation. Me too. Always, oh, always. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited. Me too. Okay. So I love the contrast between Wall Street and sex educator. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, and I love how you've integrated the two. And I know you've been through a thing or two along your journey and it's, it's so inspiring. And I also don't know your story super well, which, you know, I've done the show long enough where I don't know everybody that I interview, but sometimes I know more. And I got on to our prep call y'all. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to get to know you through this interview. And she's like, cool, let's just do that. So you'll hear me probably a bit more like, oh, really? Or whatever. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm sure that we will share the perfect things. Always. I, I trust that. And so that's why when you said, let's get to get, get to know each other live, let's do it. You know, I feel like I know you're already, you know? I know. And that's the thing. I do feel like, and we, we reconnected when we worked on a project together, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And and it was where we, was I facilitating a, a discussion or you? I think you were doing one and I was doing one and we were working, you know, like as, as kind of moderators and then as partners. And I was like, I know her, you know, so yes. maybe we've just seen each other's names. I thought we had been in person, but turns out we probably haven't, but it just feels that way. So yeah. it's delicious. I just feel like I get that person. Like, oh I yeah. Feel oh yeah. I know that person. Yeah. Yep. And so I trust that so much more. In my old age, I just turned 50. Ah, welcome <laughs> to the I, club. <laughs> I, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, not that I haven't before, but I, I, I don't know. It just seems like these milestone ages that if we're having these big life lessons, it's like we, we like have to attribute it somehow to the number of years we've been on this planet. So I definitely trust when I meet somebody. I don't know if y'all agree, but I feel like when I, when I meet somebody, I either like really just get that person. I feel like I know that person or I'm like, oh no, oh, that person, oh. there's walls up. I'm not feeling them. They're, yeah. they're not showing me who they are. Yep. Like, 
Yep. And, and I have compassion for them because I know yeah. they've been through some shit and that's why they're like that. Yes. But I don't have to have that in, in my world. Yes. And I think I've been like this for a long time. I mean, my mom used to say that as a baby, I would either have my arms outstretched, like, Ooh, pick me up like instantly. Or I would have my arms folded, like, don't touch me like as a baby. You're and right. it has definitely clear, clear. It is definitely continued in my old age like even with my mask on you can see in my eyes that I'm like get away from me or I'm delighted by you you know <laughs> so um you know because our faces are different with the masks on you know yes. but um you can tell by my eyes and I either love you instantly or I don't yes agreed yeah I was talking with a stranger in a waiting room recently and she's like we just smile with our eyes now, right? And I was like, totally, you know, yeah. it's it's so true. We've had to be more expressive and intentional with our connection, you know, yep. we don't have that smile. Yeah. All right, girl. So let's let's start from the beginning of, I guess, wherever, I'm going to just le let you decide where the beginning is, but the trajectory of where we're going is like you choosing the Wall Street career. And so talk talk us through like what set you on that course. Ha, huh. so choosing Wall Street came about because I grew up in a household where, you know, my, my father was a person that worked multiple jobs, um, always worked for himself and had lots of things going on. And it was just a struggle all the time. And then my mother were, did work part-time you know, so that kind of difference there just taught me that there's got to be something better than these two extremes, you know, yeah. where my mother was working part time and and came from a fairly wealthy family. My father came from the other side of the tracks. And so bringing that together, there was always this conflict about money and conflict about things and conflict. And I was like, I what could I do that could make a lot of money? And I was like, oh, Wall Street. Before that, I wanted to be a judge, but I didn't think the system worked very well, especially for people of color. It was not fair. And I was like, I'm going to wind up in jail because I am going to blow shit up if I am a judge, you know, and I'm going to be doing things that are not you know, legal. And so I better get away from that. So I decided to go to undergrad and get my business degree. And then I went to grad school for, um, to get an MBA, because that's the only thing that I thought would make a lot of money. That's what I thought, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think do you think it like, it sounds like you at an early age, like I want to change things. Like I want to make a difference in the system. Like I could see things oh, yeah. are not fair. And it sounds like you decided that money was the way to do that. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Um, I think it was, I, I knew that money was the way to do it. Um, I didn't see a lot of money growing up and even getting to college. I mean, I knew that I was kind of on my own, you know, um, my mother told me, I'm not going to help you while you're in school, which is a whole other conversation about mothers and all of that, but I'm not going to help you while you're in school. My father worked his ass off to try and help me. And my uncles all went to my undergrad. So they were all helping me there, but I knew in essence, I was on my own and I had to kind of forge my path. And I knew that I had to figure out how to make some money so I could do whatever I wanted to do. That was the thing. Cause I kept running up against these, these blocks where I don't have the money to do it or somebody else could tell me whether I could do it based on whether they had the money. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I, okay. I don't. Okay. So do freedom's in there. My, yes. Freedom is equal. Oh my God. Money. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And interesting because you're, you said your mom came from a wealthy family, Yes. but it sounds like she, was it like, I just want you to make it on your own. Not that she had the money because it doesn't sound like she had the money, but nope. it, it doesn't sound like that upbringing necessarily impacted or I guess let me ask how did that upbringing impact your mother's perspective well I think that my mom 
and my grandparents were hardworking and so wealthy may be a stretch, but in comparison to my father's side, it, it it's not, you know, like my mother's side, my mother lived in a house her whole life that my grandparents owned, that um, they had, my grandfather built her a summer house in the backyard that had running water and electricity. They had, <laughs> right, they had a summer house in the Hamptons in Sag Harbor, you know, like, so, so middle class, but had things that my father's side didn't have. My father grew up in an apartment living with his grandmother and his mom and his siblings. You know, it was it was cramped quarters, you know, not a lot of education there. Whereas my grandmother on my mother's side had a master's degree, a black woman who had a master's degree wow. from NYU. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it was it was just different. And so they got together with <laughs> all that they had. You know what I mean? They didn't they didn't know any better. And so that kind of is a thread in what my life was too. Like, I don't want that. I don't want to just stumble into a relationship. I don't want to, it's so very important about the choices that we make and the things that we have and the things that we have in our control. Um, and so money was one thing, choosing the right relationships was another thing, having choice and, and being empowered to do whatever the hell I want to do. And I, I've had this little thread since I was a child too, you know, like I don't, I used to think I must be adopted because I'm not like them, you know, ballsy and, you know, brash and all that. That. But um, but I am of of them, and I can see it now. Now that I'm a grown up, you know, ah. I can see it. But at the time, I was like, "Who are these people that are trying to hold me back?" You know, <laughs> who are these people? You know, yes, yes. Yeah. And I feel like I've come to know in my uh, my own journey and getting to know the issues of people of color and my commitment to social justice and racial equality that y'all have a lot of shit that you're born into from culture and heritage and, and DNA yep. that creates like, bef like it may not even have been in your particular dynamic of your family, but there's just so much present that, that you're trying to differentiate from, do differently from, learn from, that it creates a, a context that this white chick could not, I mean, I'm Jewish, so I do kind of- There's you know, some there, off. yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But, but it's different, you know? It, it's different. it is, and it's, it's, it's so interesting because sometimes we're not even aware of it. Yeah. You know, and and yet I could tell you 20 situations where I was like, that is some bullshit, you know, like working on Wall Street and having my boss say to people in meetings, you know, like I had an MBA and I was not there to click the projector, but that <laughs> was what she would ask me to do. She, she. Wow. would ask me to come in and I'd be like, oh, okay, great. We're going to a meeting. And she'd be like, yeah, can you click the projector? And I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? But I didn't have the power to say that because I was young and I was black yeah, and I was a woman. Yeah. And so, but, and so it, it, it just, you know, would grate on me and I would be like, you know, but after a while, I couldn't stay quiet anymore. And so what I did was she would say, you know, oh, oh, I'll have my folks do that. I'll have my folks do that. Her folks, her folks, her folks. like I was the only folk. And I told them that I said, I said, can we just, you know, before we go, because every week I come to this meeting and I listen and I, I provide what input I can and I make sure that slides are clicked. Um, but you know, I hear, um, I can't, I can't, Deborah, I hear Deborah say, I'll get my folks to do it. And I just want you to know I'm the one folk. So what I'm asking everybody to do is determine the priorities here so that I might be able to really assist with the knowledge that I bring to this job. And yes. then I gathered my stuff and I left, but I was like, I could lose my job for that. Wow. There are things that white people do all the time that if black people do it, it is not okay. And so I was conditioned to be better than just okay. I was conditioned to have to be better than just okay. I was conditioned to take into account and not from anything anybody said to me, but just because I knew, you know, I knew that I'm going to be judged by so many things that have nothing to do with me. And if I mess up, 
there may not be an opportunity for someone behind me. Yes. Yes. And it still happens to, to this day, to yes. this day. Yes. Yeah. You know, you're, 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 I, I know that my experience is not the same as, you, as yours. And uh, uh, what it made me think of was an experience I had when I was 27 in my first corporate job. I was way too young to, like, I was the youngest because I, I started uh, in corporate um, when I was in college in my undergrad. So I was kind of five years ahead of sort of where I should be. And anyway, so I was in this male dominated industry of the food service industry, like, uh, and uh, food distributors that sold to restaurants, prisons, schools, very male driven, all the sales guy, sales guys, like Wall sales Street. guys. Yes. <laughs> right, yeah. And I was, you know, this young, um, young, I'll say white chick, although I didn't have that identification at the time, but I was mostly, uh, I felt different because of my age mm -hmm. and being a woman. And I was then put into the field to train these guys on our new products. And I, uh, there was one time where I was on a, call, a conference call back in the day where there was no Zoom and they thought that I had left the room and they started talking about me behind my back on the conference call. Oh my, God. my inexperience and who does she think she is and it was like and I'm sure you've had a million of these or that moment where you're like okay do I say something right. and like what am I risking if I say something and I think if I was a person of color there'd be a whole nother layer oh right, yeah of conversation oh, yeah. in my head yeah and uh and I did wind up saying something like guys just so you know I'm still in the room yeah I really appreciate hearing your confidence that you have in me. And, you know, I can't re remember what I said, but I remember I decided to say, I remember like my whole body lit up, like yeah. hearing it. Yeah. And my nature is not to keep quiet. So no. it's, it's a good thing. I'm not a person of color. I probably would be <laughs> fucking way more trouble than I. Uh, or, 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 or dead. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I like, like, I think that has, has conditioned us also. And I will just speak for me because even, even as a black person, my experience is different from other black people, but you know, like, like there are things that I have to think about. You know, there are things that do not cross the mind of other people, whether it's running my business or walking outside with my dog. Yes. You know, we're in a new neighborhood now. So, you know, I have to worry about, are there any other people of color around here? Yeah. You know, how do I, how do I greet people? You know, what are the norms in this neighborhood? You know, let me not play my music too loud. The cops could come, that could be deadly. You know, like there, there are yes. things that seem, seem really, really extreme that are simmering yeah. and not, <laughs> they're not extreme. They're not <laughs> they're right. Real. They're not, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, they are real. And so, so my journey has been in this body, in this body. And so I am always amazed, <laughs> you know, at how far that I, at, that I've come and I've worked really hard and this is, this is, this is the fruit. These are the fruits of my labor, you know? Yeah. And I also recognize that the higher up I get and the circles that I, that I am um, invited into now, sometimes I recognize that it's because they haven't had anybody of color in there and they're like, oh, she's cool. Let me help her, you know, get her, let, let me help her legitimately. But then other times it's, we need a, a, a face that doesn't look like us in here. And so, um, so I'm real clear on that. And because I can discern you know, and I have my bullshit meter, I, I am able to call it out, you know, and say, you know, or, or, you know, decide if I want to do it or not, and what that will really get to me, get me, or cost me, yes. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, gosh, I could just go so much, you know, it's not really a tandem, but I could really dive into this because I'm really in my process of, uh, I'm, in a, a deep dive course with amazing facilitators around unconscious racial bias. And of course, then it's uncovering all bias, all unconscious bias. Yeah. And, um, and I'm, and I'm learning, I'm learning that it's like, it used to be, you don't see color. And the, the, my belief was that they, they want to be treated like everybody else. Right. And now I know 
now I know that it's important to see color and it's important to treat y'all differently (laughs) um, and acknowledge that. And actually that makes me feel better. Like I'm such an authentic person. Like if I'm talking with some different color skin of me, it's really nice to talk about that, you know, and, and just have that in the space. And, and so you are the first, like first I I decided I'm going to have a a bunch of, you know, a bunch of non-white people, (laughs) you know, on my show and really make an effort. Yeah. Um, And it's not that hard an effort, but it's really interesting just to, to make a conscious decision and then my radar is tuned differently, which says so much about what is wrong with all the and, things, right? And I just, I, yeah, and I want to say a couple things. Like one, Please. the thing about I don't see color is so offensive, so offensive. And once I got my footing to be like, I'm fucking amazing and I don't care what this costs me, I've had to say it a couple of times. I had to say it at my dream job to a boss who was explaining to me that I had offended a young white boy because he had some racially insensitive content in something that had been improved by layers and layers of layers of of white supervisors that he showed as a, as a final product, like, look how proud I am when the examples of, of people not doing well at work were, you know, a Latina who was like, I can't get here all day. I can't get here on time. You know, I have to take my babies to the, to the, um, to the babysitter. And the black guy was like, yeah, sometimes I come in late, but you know, sometimes the bus is late. Are you fucking kidding me? And showed this, as a final product and it had passed so many times. So I waited seething because I thought it was a joke. You know, we had done all kinds of joking things. You know, we used to fool the the supervisors and like have like a, a, a fake reel and then the real product. But he did this and was very proud of himself and people were clapping and I'm looking around at all these, all my white colleagues, like you've got to, you're kidding me, right? And one young girl, I, we locked eyes and she was like, um, and I was like, yeah, I, um, and I, I was sitting there like, do I say anything? Do I say anything? Do I say anything? I waited for her to get up first. And she got up and she said, you know, I just want to say like, some of those things could be really offensive. And he was like, what? <laughs> and she said, well, this, this, and this. And then, then she kind of looked at me like for help, young, young girl, like help me please. And I said, yeah, it, it, it is offensive. I said, and, and if, if you'd like to talk about it more, I mean, it, it could be really racist. I said, if you'd like to talk about it more, I'm happy to do it. I'm going to go home now, but I'll be back tomorrow. The next morning I got a mess. I got a knock on my door from the big boss who came and said, he said, you called him a racist. And I was like, what? And I said, I didn't. And he said, yeah, well, he's pretty upset. And I was like, I am sorry that he's upset, but I'm even sorrier that you are coming here to talk to me. Have you ever even seen what it is? Yeah. Do you he know was what like, you're even talking about? Yeah. He's like, well, um, no, I didn't watch it all, but I'm going to, I'm going to do some investigations, but I thought I should come and talk to you first. And, and he's like, and you know me, you know me, I don't see color. I don't. And I was like, uh, I was waiting for the next time that someone says this, and this is a perfect opportunity for me to let you know how, just how offensive that is. If you don't see me in all my brown skin, that is very offensive because that is so much a part of who I am. That said, I didn't call him a racist. I said the work that he produced was racist. And I think, and I'm challenging you to make sure that your team has the lens on that is not just their tunnel vision that could see how this could be offensive to other people. And he's like, oh, well, could you help him? And I was like, I didn't even want to hire him in the first place. (laughs) I voted no when you said to hire him. And I don't think it's my responsibility to do my job and his. I think it's your responsibility to make sure your team is attuned to how just how offensive these vignettes are. And he's like, well, all right, well, I got to think about it. And then he kind of stormed out. And I was like, this is some bullshit, <laughs> you know, like, whoa. Wow. And so, so that first thing of I don't see color is so very important. And I'm glad that you know that and that you are working through that. The second thing I want to say is about the effort that we have to make to do things differently. I recognize that if I am going to, to ask for help, I'm asking in my circle. If you're asking, you're asking in your circle. 
but this has to be a deliberate effort. When you are hiring someone, I, this just came up. Someone said to me, hey, when can you send this out to your circles? Because um, I'm hiring a whatever. So I said, sure. So I look at it and I see that the deadline is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So that means that this is an afterthought that you just happened to see my face and was like, ah, oh, black people, we're not getting any black people. Maybe Wendy can do it. No, no, because I'm not sending to my people something that they now have to jump through hoops to get it done by tomorrow. You gave all the other candidates two weeks and where, and you hired a team to find people. If your mandate is that we are going to be more aware about bringing in about diversity and bringing in people of color. Are you only looking on Yale's website? (laughs) Because there's a whole network of historically black colleges and universities that have the same credentials as the Ivy league, which was called that because of the Ivy on the buildings, not because it's a better school. So (laughs) yeah. And, and yeah, that's a whole, it's a plant. plant. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, so, so that would offend anybody in the not to offend anybody in the Ivy League, but 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 let's call it what it is. Do you know what I mean? You cannot expect to have diversity just fall in your lap. You have to set aside some money. Put your money where your mouth is. Like if you're going to buy gifts for your clients, maybe you could try and go with an organization of color that makes gifts. It may cost you a little more because we don't have the same distribution centers, but if you can do that, or maybe you can tell the people who are, who are sending out, you know, your ads for your jobs, that this is your focus. I'd like to see some people other than the the five white guys or girls, you know? Um, So, so I appreciate that in you, that you are learning, you're taking it on for yourself and you are, you are aware in a different way. And the next step is to, do something about it, yeah. you know? So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that experience about that dream job. So that, that, and that job was when, after you left court, after you left wall street, that yes. this was your next, your next place. Yes. And you got to be a coach there. So that, I did. That, so your role there was like a dream role. Like to, to yeah, to- but you know, it, and it's, it's, it's funny because Before I worked on Wall Street, I worked for a national nonprofit and it was public service and it was a civil rights organization and I was learning and growing and I worked there, you know, as an intern and worked my way up and everything. And it was an all black organization, which which has its own, you know, that's a microcosm in and of itself. And one of the things that happened there changed the trajectory of my life there was a project that they had gotten a grant for. It was a health project. It was deemed a health project. And it was in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, late late 80s, maybe mid 80s. And the project was called Sisters in the Face of, Sisters in the Face of AIDS. AIDS and HIV had just came out. And what they were doing was women of color were dying at alarming rates because their men were having sex without condoms. They were having sex with other women, having sex with other men. And so they get this contract for this grant and they didn't really read, read it. I don't think because they were horrified that the person would have to be trained in sex education, like clutch your pearls. Okay. And so, (laughs) yes. And so they were whispering the word like sex in the conference room, like who wants to take this project on? And I, and people were like, Oh no, Oh no. And I don't know if they really didn't want to, or if they didn't want to say that they wanted to in front of other people. Cause there's all this cultural stuff about sex and whatever. So I was like, I'll do it. I was in my stupid twenties and I went <laughs> and I went to training um, with the red cross and learned all kinds of things about pleasure and this whole training and everything. And I was like, wow, this is cool. So I started bringing home this information to my friends and my family and whatever. And they were horrified, really horrified, like to talk about sex, but I was like, whatever. So I go into the projects in Brooklyn where I am assigned to do this work, 
you know, with my little clipboard and my post-it and, you know, my markers. And I sit down with these older ladies to talk to them about pleasure and how to get men to use condoms. So the pleasure, so they're still having pleasure and you're still having pleasure. And they were like, look, honey, we don't give a damn about the pleasure part. We are having sex as transactional. He pays my bills so he can have a little. On his birthday, I do this. And I was horrified, horrified. And so the disconnect with the Red Cross about what people were really doing with my job about, you know, like what you need to go and do. And we're not going to talk about this. Like, I was like, oh, my God. So I went back and I was like, talk to me about what's going on. Like, I I asked all my friends, like, are you having sex with people that you don't want to have sex with? Like, it was like, what? Like, and some of them, yes. And some of them, no. So I started having these like women's circles, like talking about this and pleasures. I would take what I've learned, which I believed in, but nobody was practicing, you know? And I started doing that on the weekends and evenings while I was working on Wall Street. And I added a psychology degree to my MBA. I didn't have my MBA at that time. And I added a degree. (laughs) (laughs) Because I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn. So I learned about the psychology of, you know, of, of women, of, you know, people of color about, you know, people not feeling worthy, all of those things while I was getting my MBA. And so my final project was a brothel for women. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) That was my thesis. Like it was my thesis project was about a brothel for women and and they were horrified, but you know, yes, yes. And there's a book called sexual healing that, that like years later, I was like, Oh my God, that's my idea, you know? But, um, but that's how I got started really in (laughs) coaching and in pleasure and in sex. And then I worked um, you know, I worked for, for this organization. And then I went, when I got my MBA, I was like, I need to make some money. So I worked, went right up the street because I was working on wall street, but not on wall street for the other organization. (laughs) Yes. Air quotes. Yes. And I went to, um, I walk, I walked three blocks up to wall street and, uh, you know, I started right. Uh, I started in August of 2001 and I was three blocks from the World Trade Center when it hit, and and I was there. I was there, oh and I stayed for about six, seven more years. And then my sister found this job with this new airline that was opening up, and had a job that she said, and I quote, "You're not happy at work. You're pretty mean, actually." And then <laughs> <laughs> when you come home and you do these workshops, you light up, and it is amazing. And I think this job has like a job that you could do this for real. And then you'd have, you could give up all of this, you know, stuff that makes you mad and cranky, you know, and she applied for me because I didn't even have time to talk to her right then and there. And she applied for me. What is your sister's name? Her name is Daria. Daria girl. Oh my God. She's an angel. <laughs> she is an angel. Wow. She was looking older for airline to younger, older sister, older sister. Yeah. I'm the baby, but I'm the boss. And so this was a really, <laughs> really wonderful thing that she did for me. Like she applied for me. Like I remember the day sitting in my office on the 46th floor and you know, I was all busy and blah, blah, blah. Daria, I can't talk to you right now. What, what, you know? And she's like, I found this job. And I was like, okay, tell me about it later. And she was like, like, it, it's, it's a job that you should do. Like, like you're, you're cranky when you're at work and it's awful. And so, you know, I'm going to, I'll print it out. And then she just applied for me. She just like Amazing. applied and then they called me, you know, and I left, <laughs> you know, I left. It's so nice to have somebody that knows you and loves you to say you are cranky and like, yeah. you're not happy. You're not. Yeah. Yeah. So I love, so I was about to ask you like, so how did the sex thing come about? <laughs> so that is an amazing story. Um, That's really how it happened. Like yeah. totally right. You obviously accidental uh, sex yeah. expert, <laughs> and and amazing to hear what you discovered and the context that you were in, and so what made you so open and willing to dive into the sex thing when everybody around you seemed like they didn't want to talk about it and it was not like an okay topic. So interesting. I I really have no idea because you know my. You know, like, like, I, I want to say like, oh, I grew up in this open household and whatever, but, but I didn't, you know, <laughs> like it, my mother was an educator 
is an educator and, you know, like taught us things about our bodies and, and it was really important early, early childhood education. So, um, she tells a story of me being probably about three and my sister and I are in the tub and she's giving us a bath and she's like, okay, so this, this is your nose and these are your nostrils and, and these are your fingers and this is your wrist and this is your elbow and this is your clavicle and this is, these are your breasts and they're going to grow because you're a woman and this is your vulva and this is your vagina and and only women have it's really special only women you know and, and little girls you know and blah 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 and I was like okay and we used to practice and everything and the next morning I went to the breakfast table and I told my dad that you know don't be sad because and he was like why wouldn't I be sad baby girl and I'm like because you don't have a regina you don't have a regina <laughs> and he was like uh what and so my mother's like oh my god you know and I'm like yeah, only girls have a regina, a regina. And so, yeah, regina. And so he was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'll try not to be sad. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was comfortable with just saying whatever it is or whatever. But, but I think that was that turning point when I was, I was, my mind was literally blown. I had early on, I had a boyfriend who didn't try, you know, like I hear so many horror stories about you know, growing up and not feeling comfortable with your body or feeling comfortable with yourself. And I don't really remember that, even though I had some some pretty, pretty tragic things happen in terms of my body. I was molested multiple times, you know, but I always was like, that is their shit and not my shit, wow. you know. Um, and so I had, you know, aunts and uncles and family who, who did ingrain that in me, you know, instill that in me. So I think that was part of it. But I really go back to when I went out to that community and I was like all prepared to like, then you tell them this, then you tell them this, then you tell them. And they were like, look, that's not what's happening here. It's not that we're not. Get, we, we agree with you. We want to live and we will we'll use the condoms, but it's not because we're afraid that he's not going to get pleasure. We don't even care if he gets pleasure because we're not getting that much pleasure either. We just want him to keep doing it so that we, we can have the things that we need. And it was a different socioeconomic than I had been exposed to. But 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 the thread of, oh, my God, you're you're doing something that you don't want to do first of all, and you're not having joy in it. I was like, Oh, this is some bullshit, you know? So I think that's what kind of started it. And then I, I was always the one who was reading and learning. So anything that I wanted to learn about, I would share with other people. And my boyfriend, my early, like my first boyfriend, I remember walking outside and he looked at a girl and I was like, Oh yeah, she's pretty. And he was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I was like, why? I was like, he's hot, you know, like, like, why? I was like, it doesn't reflect on me if you think somebody else is attractive or you're attracted to them. And that was at like 16. Like, I didn't have that, you know, and he he really was like, yeah. And he thought about it and he was like, you know, if you ever want to see somebody else, like, it's okay. It has nothing to do with me. And I was nice. like, oh, because because he started thinking about it. Like, yeah, but he had been conditioned to That's to be God. like, don't look at anybody and blah, blah, blah. And then when I said that, I was like, why are you apologizing? I'm like, she is cute. Like, oh my God, you know, like, and I didn't feel anything sexual towards her, but I was like, like, this is real. Like why? And so I think all of those things kind of build up to that. And I had to, had to, like we were talking earlier, I had to decide about what I was going to stand for and regardless of everything else around me. And so I kept pushing the envelope a little and pushing the envelope. And before long, I was like, are you masturbating? Cause you are a little cranky today. You know what I mean? And my friends would be like, Oh God. And I'm like, well, it's a real question, yeah. you know, and maybe you should because you are a little cranky. You know? <laughs> and that shit works. And that shit works. Yes. You know? So that's kind of how that came to be, you know, and I, I made a whole bunch of money on wall street and I was absolutely miserable, whole bunch of money absolutely miserable. And I used that money for good stuff, but it was, it was taking its toll on my body and I got sick, you know? So by the time I went to JetBlue, which was the air, the, my dream job, by the time I went to there, I was sick and sick and tired of working on wall street, but I got this amazing opportunity, amazing opportunity to build from the ground up, to start an organization where people were amazing 
and comfortable with what they did and who they were. Um, and we built it. And I got trained as a coach. I got certified as a coach. All the assessments you could ever possibly think of. <laughs> I They put us through this so we would know how it felt to then do it for other people. And so it was, you know, priceless, priceless. And it was great. Not a lot of money, you know, and so all my medical bills were coming due and all that stuff. And, you know, then I had a couple of other big surgeries during that time. Um, and, you know, I wound up filing bankruptcy, like $310,000 worth of medical bills. Oh, it was insane. God, It was insane. And I just was like, I, I can't do this. You know, by then I had a house, you know, I had started my business, you know, I was, I, once I got all the certifications that I really incorporated in 2000, it, 2005 is when I got the LLC, but I, I went to JetBlue around 2006, 2007, and I didn't use it until, until after I left JetBlue. Like, I really was like, I, I don't want to work for anyone else again, you know. There were some things that happened. I was harassed, you know, and, and just I was like sick of it, sick of not being able to be exactly who I was, you know, and, and things had changed. If 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 JetBlue had stayed the way it was, I would have still been there. So I'm grateful that it didn't. Grateful that it didn't, because I wouldn't trade my life now for anything. Yes. Ah. So juicy. And so when you're on Wall Street, you were still running those Cirque sister circles. Yep. Um, but you, it sounds like you kind of put that on the back burner when you went to JetBlue. Yeah. Um, your health was. An issue. Yeah. My health was, was a little out of whack. Um, you know, it had started when I was on Wall Street and then it just got too far gone. There was a period between 29 and 40 that I had 11 surgeries. Most of them were gynecological. Yeah. Most of them were gynecological. Um, you know, and, and it, it, we talked about hereditary and history and all of that. So I come from a long line of women that have a lot of these troubles as well. But I do think that I let it go longer than I should have mm. because I was so intent on a having a baby, which I didn't even know that I didn't really want that, <laughs> but I had right. been conditioned but you were to just want like preserving the right to yes. do that. Absolutely. The option. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, and so I would have surgery after surgery after surgery, treatment after treatment after treatment, which was not working and making me sicker. I found myself in this routine of just getting well enough to do the next surgery for 11 years. Oh, my. God. And what I really needed was a hysterectomy. And so at 40, we were talking about, you know, those milestone ages at 40. I was like, I feel like I'm going to die. I went to my doctor and I said, it's not working. Either I'm going to bleed to death or I just don't want to live. And he burst into tears. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, oh, my God, somehow it shifted from from what you wanted to me trying to win this battle for you. And he and we 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 signed up and I had a hysterectomy at 40. And that shifted in me also. You know, it, yes. it really was like freedom and choice um, in a way that I had not been really caring for myself. And so I stayed with JetBlue for a couple more years. I was harassed at work. I left, I sued them, I won, and I never ever will work for anyone else again. And that's when I started doing, you know, full-fledged coaching. I was still holding, holding, you know, conversations in my living room and helping people and whatever, but I decided to really, really, you know, do what I do. And I started out as a sex and relationship coach because that's what people were talking about. They were a little too titillated by that and not wanting to learn. They really just wanted to learn how to give a, a good blowjob. And I was like, the point is whether you want to give a blowjob and whether the person that you wanted that is in receipt of this is worthy. Like, let's talk about that. And they were like, no. And I was like, well, then I'm not telling you, you know, I'm not gonna, you know. So then I, I really was thinking about how can I, it wasn't even from a business standpoint, but it was from a standpoint of even after I had the hysterectomy, my body was not feeling amazing. And I went back to what I had learned about pleasure. Nice. 
and I started infusing pleasure in everything that I was doing, you know, like, you know, do I like my stapler? You know, like I have an amazing stapler that I love something as simple as that. Yes. 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 Does the shirt that I put on feel good to the touch? You know, do I, what do I drink my tea out of? What tea do I want? I just started infusing it back in because that's what we were, that's what we learned. And that was, that, that resonated with me. And that and started this is back to Blue Cross Blue Shield talking yes. about pledge. That, yes. that, that's one thing I'm like, wow, they were very evolved in yeah. their education, their second yeah. education. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. You know, wow. this was, you know, they, the, uh, the Red Cross was, yeah, not Blue Cross Blue Shield. It was the Red Cross. Red Cross, yeah. The Red Cross that was, they had, they knew, you know, they, they help with epidemics. They help with, you know, global things. And so they had this contest, you know, and they, and my company had applied for this grant and it was specifically focused on women of color to get, to teach them to navigate condom usage. And so my friends were calling me the condom negotiator for a while because <laughs> that was my job, but I, you know, it, it changed my whole direction in my life. I mean, it's yeah. a, it's amazing to like look at the through line of uh, the childhood experiences you had, both with the evolved boyfriend, I would say, and yeah. very receptive to to your ideas and your agency. Um, but even before that, sexual um, molestation. Yeah. So, but to hear your response to it at that young an age, where you were like, you didn't. It doesn't sound like you internalized it as what is common in terms of there's something wrong with me. I did something wrong. This is a dirty secret. Like you're like, that's their fucking problem. It's kind of, yeah. what I, which is, that's a mate. Like I do remember, I do remember feeling, you know, like when my mom took me to the cops, I do remember like, don't tell everybody like, you know, like I understood. But you like, told the, your mom. <laughs> I did. I did. And your mom supported you. Yeah. My mom, right. my dad, you know, and all and, the places the stories go awry and other, it, yeah, you know, no, I mean, she did. She believed me. She supported me. She didn't know how to handle it. So there were times when we had some friction because she, she taught, she would tell everybody, you know? And so I learned that it wasn't my fault, but I also was like, but everybody doesn't need to be talking about this. You know what I mean? Like, let's, you know, like, I know I didn't do it, but you know, like we'd go to Thanksgiving and my cousins would be like, oh, I heard that happened to you. And I'm like, fuck, you know? Wow. So, so it was, it was just, it was this real interesting thing. Like I wasn't like shamed about right, it. And the alternative is that we don't talk about it. Nobody about needs it. to know. Right. right? So it's like, right. I don't know that there's a win. I, I don't either. But I, but just when you said that, like, you know, I, I remember that, you know, I remember like, you know, can we talk about something else? Not from a point of, you know, like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it, but just like, okay, already, like yeah, we're getting. So that, so that to me, I feel like, I mean, your mom talking about your vagina and your vulva and like, that's awesome. And, you know, on the, on the scale of, you know, mom talks about shit and mom doesn't talk about shit. Like that's yeah. awesome. And then, and then to have this uh, quote unquote negative experience and have it be talked about yeah. feels like a powerful part of your narrative because absolutely now, right and now then you're given this opportunity with the with the nonprofit and then you no know, crickets nobody else is volunteering you do yeah you know and just I don't know I just feel like and then and then having to deal with gynecological um, issues myself that sure yeah. impacted right absolutely pleasure Right. And, and now, like we talk on this show, it's all about how our struggle serves our mission, how oh, yeah. our struggle serves our purpose. So yes. you are uniquely, highly qualified, not from any degree or whatever, but from your own personal experience of what yeah. you've navigated and to return to pleasure after yeah. hysterectomy, which I know only from clients and friends that have had it that it is it's like a couple of years before shit gets back to where it's supposed to be your energy yeah. and all that and not yeah. to mention even your pleasure but to to then have to to re, to re uh, engage yourself in that way and to create new habits and to oh you know just uh so 
wow, like so, so much. It, it was, it was necessary, you know, and, and, and I can remember, you know, like I remember the day when I was like, this is just not working. You know what I mean? It's just not. And so what is missing? And it was joy and it was pleasure and it was laughter and all, it was all of that. I, I had spent so many years, like just going through the motions, like I said, healing myself for the next surgery. And then I was like, I, I can't live like this, you know? Um, and so I did start infusing pleasure into everything, excuse me, and not just sex, you know, like into everything, just being really conscious and, and really tuning into my body and all of that. And what happened was, my money started turning around, my relationships were growing, you know, and I was like, oh my God, you know? And so I started like looking at, like if I could have gone back for another master's, I would be looking at the, the relationship <laughs> between pleasure and money, you know? And so that's what I do now. Cause I, I believe that if you, if you do not focus on your pleasure and connection to your body as a woman, as a woman, like men can do it too, but we are heightened and we are clearer and more productive if we are turned on, if we are turned on and, and orgasms make us so much better and so more focused and so much, so clear and, and all of that. Like we business owners, we people who are trying to get something done, you need to have, whether you're doing it yourself with a partner, with many partners, doesn't matter, but you need to infuse this pleasure in your body so that your body is tingly and juicy. So you have the energy to do anything that you want to do. That's that it, it is hands down, hands down, hands down. And so it starts with little things. Do I like the soap that I use in my shower? Yeah. Well, and I love these little examples. And we talked about your favorite GFR commandment, which is number two, yes. let go of what doesn't feel good. Yes. So of course, of course. that's spot on for you. And then the <laughs> confession question, just in case y'all want to, you know, inquire with yourself is what doesn't feel good? Yeah. And I love thinking about, does my stapler feel good? Like I love looking at the the littlest littlest things because the commandment before that is don't compromise yeah and that confession question is what am i tolerating yeah and i i feel like they're not in any order but i do feel like that one is such a great place to start yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you just see like am i tolerating drinking out of a glass that you know it like like you know and my husband and i are somewhat uh, minimalists uh -huh. and which is very intentional about what's in our space and yep. you know only keeping the you know like it and and it's a similar thing it's like like now i open up the drawer the gadget drawer in the kitchen and only the best shit's in there and it's yes. all nicely laid out and you deserve it and that's pleasure like and i want to draw the parallel yeah pleasure of being yep. intentional and yes and yeah yeah and it and it, it it's it's the little things that get to the big things. So, you know, it's little things like when I say, Lisa, how are you doing today? Taking a moment to think about it <laughs> before it comes out of your mouth. Oh, I'm fine. And that, oh, I'm fine. I know you're not. And it's okay if you don't want to tell me what's going on, but just honoring that is a form of, of self-care. And a, I think pleasure is self-care. Yes. I really do. You know, and I teach, I teach women to create a healthy, intimate relationship with their money using <laughs> pleasure so they can be, do, and have whatever the hell they want to do. Because if you don't start there it, and you have to start there, you have to start recognizing what feels good, what doesn't feel good. You know, what, what do you want? What do you not want in every aspect? And it's just, you know, turning on that little that little, you know, that little uh, button in your head, in your mind, in your body to recognize that it's a choice and it is self-care and you can't get anything done without it. I believe that wholeheartedly. I, I, I'm realizing why we feel so connected with that before really, because I feel like my, the work that I'm doing now is the same, Yeah, is the same, which is holding space for my unmentor folks and my GFR squad folks, which is, that's, you know, an easy way to be in my orbit. Anyway, to, to, to hold space for getting real about what is not working, what yeah. doesn't feel good, you know, yeah. what you're doing that you really don't want to be doing, giving people permission to stop, 
you know, that's another GFR commandment, stop. Yeah. <laughs> and know that yeah. could be a lucrative action to take. And, yes. And, and all in the service of ultimately being fulfilled, but also money, yes. <laughs> you know, like I'm in, you know, I'm not just, you know, when I mentor people, it is not just so they can have a hobby. It is so they can thrive in their business, but it, but it is by way of feeling good and healing along the yes. way. And, and so your access point is pleasure Yes. Um, to create that frequency and that vibration and that the, 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 the conditions conducive for prosperity, yes. <laughs> you know, and, and, and mine is, you know, alignment and, yeah. and, and choice. And it's, it's the same thing, yeah. you know, and, and you say unmentor and I say, we need to unlearn some things. Oh, we need to structure. learn some things <laughs> that we were never taught, unlearn the bullshit that we were yes. and question everything. Question well, everything. Oh, I just was saying that yesterday in interview. <laughs> I'm like, question everything. Uh, yes. Check in with yourself. Cause you know, you know, I was just learning some body language stuff. And I was like, because I know that I know, but I wanted to understand why I know, like why I can see in My your eyes. Or... I have no, I have one degree. I, yes. I, I have no marketing degree. I have no coaching certification. My whole life is like, oh, that's what, oh, I'm so glad that that's written in a book or taught somewhere. Because yes. I mean, no, I validate what I already think oh, I yeah. know, which oh, I know yeah. I know, but it's kind of nice I, to know. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I, I feel exactly the same way. And I have said, often that my degrees don't make me any smarter than anyone else. They, they don't. They give me access to things because other people need to feel good about yeah. thinking about what I do or how I do it, you know, but, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't make me any smarter, you know? And so, yeah, I, I mean, but it, it's really an interesting thing. I love what you're doing. Love, love, love what you're doing. I love it. So back at you. Yeah. Back at ya. Okay, so in our last little uh, bit of time here, what else would you like to share about what you've learned from the struggle or just life like along the way that really you feel like was necessary for who you are today and what you're standing for today hmm. that we haven't already talked about? Yeah, um, we've talked about a lot of it. I, I, the first thing that came to my mind was that where you are right now is beautiful, even if it's in the pit of hell, <laughs> okay? <laughs> it, it is because you can't pick and choose your experiences. And in order to get you any, anywhere, you have to go through it. If I removed anything that happened, my life would be different than it is today. And that is including some of the hell and some of the good stuff. And so just know that, you know, you, you can move through it, but, but don't try and discount or, you know, disregard anything that has happened and know that you are in charge of all of it. You can't just say I am a blah, blah, blah. And I did blah, blah, blah without saying, yeah. And I fucked up too. <laughs> Because people do that. They're like, I am a blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm like, I filed bankruptcy and I'm worth $1.3 million. All of those things and that led up to all of those things, I did them. I have dated a married man. I have had an abortion. I own my house. I can hire a driver to go and, and take me where I need to go. It all is who I am. So whatever you think about, oh my God, that's horrible or whatever, it is, it is part of who I am. And all of that brings me to this day right now, which is which I love. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Girl. Woo! That was awesome. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. 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 I mean, yeah. and this whole show is about, it seems to it has become to me about normalizing the necessity of traumatic experience to yeah. create the leaders of today. Absolutely. Oh, I, I think that is beautiful. And, and I want to thank you because like, I feel emotional because we, we are so connected. <laughs> um, and I just want to thank you for, for allowing this to unfold as it is, you know, I think that's a beautiful thing to, for people to, to not, 
be so prescribed. When we first talked, I thought my story was X, Y, Z. But as we have uncovered this, it is about like even the shit, especially the shit. Especially the shit. Especially the shit. You know, I mean, I, I, I could, I, I have, you know, people, one thing that I do that I really love is like a life map where you, you know, you, you take a piece of paper, you put an X on one side and an X on the other side, and then you connect them with a wiggly line. And then you just write the things that are things that are in your head. And I find that when people do it, they, they do. And then my dog died and then my mom died. And then this happened and all the negative, negative things. And I'm like, but there's the other side too. And it all got you to hear. Yes. But the way you handle the trauma, the way you handle that, and that is not just you. I, it was a gift that I had the support that I had because any moment and anything could change. I could have said no to like everybody else to, you know, going and taking the sex ed training. Then how would I have gotten myself back to me? You know, yes. I could have, you know, not sued JetBlue, could have kept putting up with it, which I did for six months. You know, he may never have come into my life. I mean, we could go to all the negative stuff, but we could also go to the negative and the positive stuff and know that it is just part of our journey. Yes. And we have an opportunity here, an opportunity to figure this out. It's like improv. Yes. And yes. And girl. Yes. And totally. Yeah. yeah. This has been so much fun. I could go on for hours talking with you. We'll have you back in a year or two. We'll see what's up with you then. Um, and uh, thank you so much for just being willing to share all the things. Yeah. Thank you for having mutual me. mission. <laughs> yes, it is. It is much love, much love to you. Well, that was super fun. <laughs> Some of my favorite topics are sex and money. So, um, and also uh, social justice. And so it was uh, just a, a beautiful conversation. I want to make sure you know about Wendy's Facebook group. It's called Sexy Money, the Sexy Money Community. It's a free group. We're going to put the link in the show notes here. It's the best way to connect with her. She does all of her free trainings and giveaways and all kinds of stuff in that group. It's like where she plays. So if you want to play with her, you'll go there. If you want to play with me, you'll come into the GFR squad. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, gfr.life forward slash squad. That is our $20 a month membership. And inclusive of that membership is a community Zoom video call each month where we take one of the commandments, like Wendy's favorite, which was number two, let go of what doesn't feel good. And we talk about it and we confess and we get real. And confession is not required, but it is contagious. So if you want to be in this GFR conversation and be with a bunch of people that really are taking it to heart and want to hang with me as I continue every day <laughs> to GFR a little bit more, I would love to, to see you there. And if you haven't subscribed to the show, if you're new to us, go ahead and pick your favorite podcast listening app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, uh, dial us up on there. Click subscribe so that you never miss any of these amazing inspirational stories so that you can keep going and make sure that you are doing your mission in the world. All right. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>